0: wherever you are in the United States of America, you are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I want to uh, examine, investigate, analyze current events for you today. But I want to come from a place, and, and that's my desire for every edition of the Paul McGuire Report, is not just to give you—you you can get news and disinformation anywhere. So they, they use rigging now. And most of you know that they use rigging, artificial intelligence, computer bots, etc. I just watched an hour presentation from the very top scientists of Google and organizations like that, and they went into sophisticated explanations on how they rig the internet in one of their upper-level meetings, so they can they can make anything, uh, they can magnify and promote and make look great anything they want to. With never a human hand touching it, and they can decimate, destroy, demonize, and eradicate anybody or anything they want to. Now, now you can't let that just escape your your consciousness. That what I just shared with you that alone represents some of the deadliest among the deadliest threats that are coming against our nation and our world, both on a global level and a National level, it is. Let me repeat: it is no small thing. If you're talking to somebody, anyone who attempts to dismiss the viable threat of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of the press, etc., anybody who says, "Oh, that's no big deal," has no idea whatsoever what they're talking about, and that becomes a very dangerous person, especially if it's in the in the personality. Of somebody you trust or somebody you're looking to for guidance or wisdom. Because that person, you see, if you if your intellectual cognitive abilities, if your analytical abilities, if your if your knowledge of history is is lacking, if you can't apply the lessons of history to the present moment, then I can promise you that in any conversation you end up in, or if you're a pastor and you're preaching a sermon or whatever, or on Christian media or whatever, I can promise you that you probably have no idea of what I'm about to say because it doesn't fit into the usual categorization process. But let me just put it this way. You have, perhaps without you knowing about it, perhaps through a process called incrementalism, you have become, for all practical purposes, a full-fledged false prophet. Because remember, the, the characteristic of a false prophet is that he or she comes across like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, dressed like a sheep, but inwardly a wolf. So if that person uses the media or that person you're going to or listening to sermons or whatever, and you're absorbing their guidance and their direction, but they have missed the mark in so many places regarding the correct interpretation of the Scripture, that they, in effect, endanger your life. They threaten the lives of your children and grandchildren. They threaten you personally. They threaten America as we know it, and they threaten this world. And not only that, they threaten the very the very ability that we have to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they are a direct threat to uh, teaching the Word of God, evangelism, raising our children with Christian values, uh, teaching our children to think through a biblical worldview, they are a clear and present danger to any of those freedoms, and our founding fathers were not stupid like today's uh, political leaders, both on the Republican side and the democratic side, for the most part. the founding the founding fathers and the pilgrims and Puritans were not stupid; they were very smart, very educated men, they knew philosophy, history, the Bible backwards and forwards, and that's why when they helped advise and put together our our Bill of Rights, our Constitution, and made America the most unique nation on planet Earth. Notice what the brilliant men who were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Pilgrims and Puritans, noticed what they they considered to be their priorities. Number one, freedom of speech has to continue or you have no or all the other freedoms disappear. Freedom of the press and that would be today freedom of the press on the Internet. I mean, that should not even be remotely confusing. Freedom of the press equates freedom of the press on the Internet and other things, because the Internet at the present moment is the primary press there is, even though it's, a, it's now available to anybody, it is still being rigged and manipulated. So freedom of the press is of, of paramount importance, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. All of these things are critical freedoms because they are supposed to be the, the watchdogs for our society. Which means the press is supposed to be reporting the truth in, in a secular sense. The press is supposed to be functioning uh, like a uh, a watchman on the wall. But but the press doesn't have a secular call. But it does have originally the purpose of the press was to be uh, uh, a check and balance on the other areas of government. Because our founding fathers knew from their study of the Bible that the propensity of mankind, the inner nature of mankind, was fallen, so that inevitably, mankind, even in America, will always drift into totalitarianism, always drift into dictatorship, always drift into your freedoms being stolen from you. The only way that you can prevent that inevitability from happening to your children, grandchildren, and so on. The only way you can circumvent that inevitability is you must be uh, spiritually alive 24-7. You must keep a lookout for the enemies of God wherever they come from. And you must function collectively and individually like watchmen on the wall, keeping your eyes wide open for any intrusion of the enemy whose purpose and design is to bring down, destroy your nation Destroy Christianity, destroy Christian values, take your freedom, take your money, take everything you have. That's their goal. Now, I didn't embellish one microscopic particle in my little rant there, okay? In fact, I toned it down. So let me just issue a, a warning to you, born out of love. You know, I used to say this on the Paul McGuire show, the radio, this nationally syndicated radio show, all the time. And that was something to this effect. You, you cannot protect freedom. You cannot have freedom if you're not willing to defend freedom and stand up for freedom, freedom of religion or whatever it is when it is being attacked. This policy, this philosophy that contemporary evangelical Christians have adopted, which is basically hide, take the path of least resistance, you know, stay beneath the radar screen. Hi, don't speak out. You know, you might be profiled or whatever. This this horrendous perversion, and that's exactly what it is, this horrendous perversion of, of theological retreat, retreatism, which is the idea that God wants us to retreat from the culture and retreat from the spiritual battle. Nothing could be further from the truth. We were never called into retreatism. We were called, in fact, to do the exact opposite. We were called to occupy the land until Jesus Christ comes. That means we are to spiritually occupy whatever land it is that God has given us, like America or the Jews, Israel, or whatever. And then we are to fulfill the mission and the destiny that God has called us to. And we're to do it 100%. We're to show up in the spiritual battle 100%. Now, because American Christians... Stopped doing that. Going back a hundred years or so ago, they stopped doing that, and they they became negligent. They became apathetic. They became indifferent. And as a result of those inner sins, they allowed the Christian Church to drift out of the waters of theological orthodoxy, and they allowed the Christian Church to drift out of the waters of biblical inerrancy, and they allowed the Church of Jesus Christ to drift into stormy and and dangerous waters through through the root sin. What, What are the root sins? The root sins are theological negligence, also known as apathy. You read Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and verses, and God says it all, if you diligently will hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and obey everything that he's commanding you to do this day. And there was a particular day in Israel's history when they read the Word of God out loud, that if you will obey God, obey His words, and hearken diligently, like not half-heartedly, but just get on it and obey His words. And then if if you only endeavor to worship the true gods and not the false gods, then God promises in Deuteronomy twenty-eight the blessings and curses that he will supernaturally Raise up the people of that nation supernaturally. The blessing of God will come upon them. And that has been America's story until, you know, in the, in the, in the late 1800s, we began to uh, accelerate in our backsliding and, and we let go of the steering wheel. We were charged with the solemn responsibility of driving a, a, a uh, school bus, let's say. Filled with school children or, or citizens or people that potentially could be saved. We were charged with that, with that responsibility, but we refused to carry out that responsibility. Instead, we let go of the steering wheel, allowed the, the momentum of the school bus to, to propel itself kind of like randomly, which means the, the school bus is weaving in and out of lanes at high speed on the freeway. And it's, it's now a directionless vehicle. There's no human being driving it. And there's no artificial intelligence, you know, self-driving Tesla cars driving it. So, like, nothing is driving it. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out if nothing is driving your car that has any intelligence at all, you're going to have a fatal collision. That will be horrific. Someone in my family very close to me, a number of years ago, I don't want to reveal the details, but let's just put it this way: this person we raised to be a Christian, et cetera, et cetera. This person, at that time, was attending a uh, major university, and the the athletes were on route the school bus and, and other cars to go high up into the mountains where they would, uh, I think it was a track team, and they were going to run in freezing cold and stuff. Anyway, it was a winding road going higher and higher in the mountains. And the, the, it's very hard to see any distance in front of you because of uh, the uh, climate. Everything was like foggy. You know, you couldn't really see in front of you. So what we found out in retrospect, all of a sudden there was a horrific crash between a, a kind of like an SUV-size, uh, you know, school transport bus, and it, that collided into some kind of very heavy-duty, very large SUV. And I don't want to get into the legal thing, but these two cars in opposite, direction, opposite directions going at relatively high speeds collided into one another. In a horrific accident in the middle of the night, in, in, in the total darkness of the, the mountains and, and, and the countryside in the middle of nowhere. Now, nobody could get out of the car because all of the uh, car locks were, were like, I don't, I don't know if it was electronic or mechanical. You couldn't get out, you couldn't get in to the van to save the athletes. I don't want to go into the specifics, but one of the people Uh, tragically, abruptly lost their lives, and they were killed in this deadly and totally unexpected accident. So they were dead. The person I knew was sitting in, in, in the second seat. This person was sitting in the front seat near the driver, and the person in the second seat, they went flying, and then was somewhat in a state of shock. The, the person riding in the front seat um, died and, and and I don't want to overstate it, but from what I heard the the injury which caused this person's death was gruesome it was gruesome it was nightmarish now the, the the SUV van for the athletes nobody can get out. And so finally, they had cell phones, the students had cell phones, and they called the sheriff's department, and they requested, you know, that device that, that here in California is called the Jaws of Death, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an electromechanical device where you, you fit it into the side of a door or a window or whatever, and the Jaws of Death it's were, were, so strong that it will literally rip open the heavy metal frame of this SUV vehicle, it just it's like it's like one of these Transformer movies. You know, it's like a Terminator robot, except it doesn't look like a person. And the jaws of death are like these two clawing, mechanical, hand-like structures, and they rip open the door, rip the windows out. And the person I knew uh, was fortunately, they were sitting right next to the door where, where suddenly, they could escape the vehicle because they were afraid the vehicle was going to catch fire and explode due to leaking gasoline or whatever. So this was uh, definitely a PSTD event, post-traumatic stress disorder event for just about everybody. I would imagine for everybody involved, those people that were driving their large SUV down the mountain and those people that that were driving it up the mountain. And so we have two different SUV type cars that crash into each other and there's a death, and it, it's it's a gruesome accident scene. Now, why did I tell you that? I told you that because they left both, both sides. One was one group, or they were returning from like a like a mini vacation or something, you know, camping out in the beautiful stars and, and woods. The other group was a professional college uh, track team, and they were heading up into the mountains. And so the expectations and the mood in, in both of the two different cars, one going higher up into the mountains, one coming lower out of the mountains. But in each car, the, the mood was buoyant and happy. There was a sense of expectation in the air, a sense of tranquility in the air. But as I recall, and I don't quote this from me as like some kind of legal testimony, because its I'm not giving a legal testimony. I wasn't there. I don't know every specific thing that happened, but it appears to me Recollection that somehow somebody didn't lock a particular door or, or, or safety lock it, that, that, that there were some safety violations on, on the part of some of the drivers, or at least allegations of safety violations. Now, the person I know should have died, being that the person in front of that person did die. They should have died. They didn't die. The only thing I can say is, you know, life is strange, isn't it? We hear warnings all the time in our lives. We are warned to do things, to maintain our cars, to, to you know, do maintenance on cars, to, to drive in a certain way that is as adhering to safety regulations, to making sure that you are the safety belted in. And, and so you, there's all these things you're supposed to do, and and, and time could go on, and, nev- and nothing dangerous could ever happen. Okay. But usually, in most people's lives, there are certain events, plural or an event, where all hell breaks loose, death, destruction, and tragedy. And then you you what happens is, it's like a, a mini-day of judgment. You recognize that You were preparing for this day. You you did what you were supposed to in in terms of following safety procedures and all the rest. So when the, the, the day of unexpected tragedy occurred, your life was spared. Okay. Now, I don't know why other people's lives are not spared. I don't want to even get into that. I'm not God. I don't know. So this is a critical thing. So the idea is you're always supposed to be on your guard. Be sober, be diligent, for your adversary the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking him whom he may devour. The spiritual principle is is that Satan may not just intrude into any believer's life, and, and Satan may not just start devouring their life. He's held in check. And why is he held in check? Because the verse says, Satan goes about like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion. It says Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So Satan is looking for a weak spot. Satan is looking for a target individual. Satan is looking for uh, uh, an area of vulnerability. Satan is looking for an open door by which he intends to strike and bring about death and destruction. That's his game, totally. So one thing we always do and, and continue to do to this day, people concerning people we know, friends, family members, or whatever, whenever they leave our house or location where we see them and if they're traveling or whatever, we always lay hands and pray for them. And Usually I'm the one that does it. And you'll find that, that, that there's usually an eager response to the offer, you know, and we pray for you before you leave, because there's something inside of people that they know they need help supernaturally. And so, very rarely, I can't even remember a time, quite frankly, where people didn't enthusiastically accept the offer of prayer. In addition to that, people in our family, primarily, I'm not this is not about bragging, primarily through me and my wife, we instilled not just the religion of Christianity into our family's lives. But we imparted into our families' lives, our children, etc. We imparted into their lives. They saw with their own eyes a vibrant, living, firsthand example of what it's like to be a true Bible-believing Christian who believes in the supernatural, who prays, who prays for people, who relies on God's supernatural power. So our children and their friends, etc. I'm not trying to paint. For you a false picture, okay? That would be deceitful and dishonest. I'm not trying to paint this false portrait of myself or my wife or my family, that we were like super Christian people, that we were super perfect people. And that, you know, we, we were perfect and we were just wonderful. That's a bunch of garbage. I I have had the privilege of meeting some of the most famous and greatest and notable and most respected christian leaders in the entire world during my lifetime i'm not talking about just a few i'm talking about a few. i've had the opportunity to get to know on a personal basis to spend personal alone time with some of the greatest most famous christian leaders in our nation and the world and and the most valuable part of those interactions was the fact that it gave me that rare opportunity to look beyond the PR and the hype and, and, and the media manipulation. And it allowed me to see what their lives were really like, you know, what they were really like in real life, not just when they were up on a pulpit or something. And for me, I was so liberated and so set free by, by being able to enter the personal and private worlds of many of these great, Household name, Christian leaders that I put on the pedestal but but in every single case, and these and they they weren't bad people, but in every single case, God allowed me to see their imperfections and their humanity, so for example, one guy you're not going to guess his name because I'm not going to give you his name, but this one guy was very famous, especially regarding marriage and and marriage teaching and stuff like that and uh I was working with him on a private project, and we were spending time together, and that gave me access to his family and private conversations, et cetera. And I called his house, or one of his houses, and, and uh, his wife answered the phone. And uh, she answered her, the phone in a, in a kind of a snippy, not angry, but let's say a snippy, somewhat exasperated way. And, and this set me free because, you see, I was under the delusion, illusion that, that I could only be used by God. A, a true Christian leader can only be used by God if he has a perfect marriage relationship, a perfect relationship with his children, always walks in the fruit of the Spirit. Everything you do and say and how you behave is always on the level of a totally unreal, uh, super— Super uh spirituality type vibe that you're living in, and so what the Lord showed me is that every one of these guys, Paul, that you admire, every single one of them have problems just like you. I saw, I saw the humanness. I mean, when you're spending days or weeks or months with some of the greatest Christian leaders in the world, men who, by the way, some have gone on to be with the Lord, uh, some who are uh, still here with us, and. Uh, what happened was I was able to see inside their lives, and, and guess what I saw, what the Lord wanted me to see. The Lord wanted me to see that these were ordinary, fallen men and women, just like I was, that they were not super spiritual. So I heard this one guy get into a to a mild argument, but a mild disagreement with his wife, where they were both snippy to each other. That set me free for, for a long time. Why? It set me free because the Christian culture perpetuates this illusion that Christian leaders and the ideal Christians are somehow larger-than-life figures, that are not even human. And that's totally false. What I discovered in almost every single case is I saw people, great Christian leaders, losing their tempers, having arguments with their wives or husbands, being short-tempered, slamming the door when they got home in anger, you know. I didn't see anything... of, of. that, that was out of the box. I didn't see anything that would constitute, you know, a major betrayal of God's people. What I saw is normal, ordinary people that God used by His grace. So don't think I'm putting down anybody. It's just looking at them as real people what really liberated me, really set me free. And so that was a big turning point in my life, because this burden, and I, I see this burden being carried by a lot of people who want to go into ministry. They think that the qualifications to go in ministry is to be absolutely perfect, and that's a complete falsehood. Anyway, we did the best we could trying to raise our children. And I'm only saying that as I don't want to paint this false, who's this artist that that Christians love him and probably many of you love his artwork. He does these nature scenes that are very warm. And Thomas Kincaid, isn't his, his motto or something, the painter of light or something, Thomas Kincaid. Okay, So Thomas Kincaid paints these paintings of nature and waterfalls and the forest, and, but they're idealized pictures. In other words, they're very soothing, they're very beautiful, they're very comforting, but they're larger than life. They're richer than life. They're idealized. He's not really honestly painting from an artistic manner. He's not really painting an accurate portrayal of nature. He's portraying an idealized, um, enhanced, if you will, paintings of nature and cabins in the woods and and the the warm emotions that come up from his his painting. I'm not knocking him for what he's doing. That's his style. That's why he sells so many pictures. So um, the point is, I'm not trying to portray myself as, you know, some super spiritual, super perfect person. But talking about the individual that was in the car, we train this individual. Whenever you're in a car, I mean, this was like this was, this was like one of the highest level things we demanded out of our children. You don't run into a street from the youngest of ages. You look both ways before you walk into a street. And in most cases, you don't cross at a street or in a street. That's a very dangerous thing. You don't run onto the freeway or walk in next to a freeway. You always wear your safety belt. You know, you always drive safely. A whole bunch of things regarding cars and automobile safety was just hammered into their personalities. Now, here's the ironic thing: this death-like collision occurs up in the mountains. The lady in front of our family member, she dies a horrible death. I do not know why, and it's tragic. And I, we prayed for her and. Her family and in no way did she deserve to die, or did her family deserve to lose their mother uh, at such a premature young age so it's not because she had some sin in her life okay so the point is the the point is that the person that we had trained who was traveling she was sitting in the second seat the lady who died now now the lady who died was secure, had securely fastened the the safety belt upon herself. So technically, she should not have been in danger. Technically, she should have survived the accident without any harm, because she was wearing her safety belt. The person in our family who was sitting in, in, in the seat right directly behind the lady who died and had her safety belt on, the person in our family who knew better who was trained to wear their safety belt, uh, chose not, the person in our family chose not to wear their safety belt. And so they went flying when the collision happened. And they were locked in and had to to be broken out of the SUV through the jaws of death. But here's the, the irony. The person in our family who survived this horrific accident and who was not wearing their safety belt The strange thing was was the fact that they were not wearing their safety belt, and that caused them to to be kind of moved, rocketed from one end of the car to the other, and the person from our family survived and lived through the accident, essentially unharmed uh, physically, or at least minimal harm physically. The person in our family survived. And yet, the person in our family was not wearing their safety belt. Now, there are a lot of things that come up like that in life, and, and, and I'm not going. I'm not God, and you're not God, and we can't figure out why that happened. Okay, I'm, I'm thankful that the person lived. I'm Very thankful, and I'm very sad that the other person died. But one thing we did, and I'm not saying the other family didn't pray. I'm not sliding in some self-righteous reason for why a person in our family survived. Okay, But one thing we drilled into the lives of people and we modeled among our own children was praying. We pray all the time. We're we're not super spiritual, okay? If you come over to that house, it's not a monastery. It never was. But we, we would pray for people. So I distinctly remember praying for that person in my family, because I knew the trip was potentially dangerous, and I prayed for the van, I prayed for their entire trip, and I asked God's supernatural covering over all of them, including our loved one. I believe that God answered that prayer and supernaturally protected our loved one. I do not know why. I have no idea whatsoever why other people died, and a lot of other people lived. I think only one person died, and the others lived. And I'm not innuending or suggesting that the person died because they didn't pray. I have no idea what they did in the morning or if they prayed or you know i have no I don't know all I know is that you know and, and, and God will allow you to see these things, and what God is doing is not teaching you uh to disobey common sense and things like wearing a a safety belt but but God wants to show you. Things that happen in life that don't make any apparent sense at all and seem to operate on a law that defies the ordinary laws of safety. And I think what God's trying to tell us is that ultimately, yeah, God wants us to wear safety belts, but ultimately, Jesus is Lord. And ultimately, our refuge is not in a safety belt or, or anything. Ultimately, our refuge, our high tower of refuge, ultimately, is Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He alone is our safety refuge. He alone is our all-powerful protector. So the point is that we, we walk. What God is trying to teach every believer to do is to walk under the supernatural power of God, to invoke and call upon the supernatural power of God, to call upon the angels of God and to call and and to actively use your authority in Christ to bind the demonic powers to de- to bind the principalities and powers and call on God's supernatural protection to protect you. I have there have been many times in my life and in the lives of people I know where something bad and destructive and evil came out of the middle of nowhere and could have taken myself out or somebody else could have been taken out. And I believe That it was because of my fervent commitment to praying God's supernatural protection verbally over people, myself, my family. I believe that as a consequence of praying for God's supernatural protection in prayer, I believe that has released on countless occasions the supernatural power of God and created supernatural miracles that have miraculously spared my life, the lives of my loved ones, Altered situations or whatever. So going back to the fact that our loved one was not wearing their safety belt, God was saying to me, he wasn't saying, don't wear your safety belt. He was simply saying, Paul, ultimately, you do everything that you can humanly to arrange for safety, etc. But ultimately, your trust has to be in me and you need to call upon me and my supernatural power to see safety release. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because God is almighty God. He's king of kings and lord of lords. So we have this transhumanism movement, and they believe that through technology and the futuristic scientific sciences, they believe that they are going to self-evolve mankind into a, a race of god-men. Kind of disgusting, but they believe that. They believe they are gods, but they're not gods. They're ordinary men and women, and are, their ideas are are tragically warped. The theology of transhumanism is a warped theology that dehumanizes and degrades man in a horrible way. So we live in a world and a nation that scoffs at the idea that that in this universe, in this world, in this creation that we live in, that there really is an infinite, personal, living God of the universe who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus Christ. So at the very center of power and control of this world, of this creation, of all the dimensions of of what we call reality, of what we call eternity, At the center of control in the master command center, known as uh, the throne room of God, uh, God Almighty is ruling and reigning, if if He is anyway. But we have the privilege of calling upon Him to rule and reign and extend His blessing and protection over our lives, and so we are we are commanded by God to do that, and so we do that. And so, what God is trying to teach us is that, you know. Armies, militaries, weather, diseases, uh, World War I, World War II, God forbid, if World War III comes, all of these things can erupt at any time, no matter how many safety checks you have, no matter how many SDIs, Star Wars defense initiatives, no, ha- no matter how many directed energy beam weapons you have to, to blow, uh, to, to dissolve enemy missiles from uh, being blown up over your cities. In the final analysis, it's God Almighty that is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the supreme being of everything. He's the creator God of all of mankind. And this is an important truth to know. So I believe, and I'm not saying we were better than they were. I'm not even going near any of that stuff. All I'm telling you is, if you want to see, this is what I'm telling you, okay? And I'm going to tell it to you forcefully, but lovingly. And I'm going to tell you this out of love, okay? So here it goes, and I'm asking you to pay, pay close attention. The day will come sooner than you think where you will thank me for what I'm sharing with you right now, okay? Okay. The bottom line, this comes from after a lifetime or the, majority, the overwhelming majority of my life living in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What I have discovered is that the way God made the universe is that Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And that means there is a legal authority, a legal ranking in the universe. Satan doesn't like the fact that, that he is a counterfeit God, and so he's trying to throw a revolution and to overthrow the throne of God. So we pray fervent prayers, and we call on the supernatural power of God. And so when we walk, walk with God, we learn incrementally that when God says something, when God issues a promise, when God makes a covenant with you, when God makes a promise to you, <clears throat> when God gives you the promises of His Word, and so on and so forth, you have the permission from God, you have the authority from God to extend the authority of the kingdom of God into real-life situations. And when you extend the authority of the kingdom of God into real life situations, you can alter or change the future of reality. And God encourages us to stand on the Word of God and do just that. So there were only two nations on planet Earth where God has made highly unusual commitments, promises, or covenants to. God has made limited covenants and blessings and promises to many, many nations, but specifically to the nation of Israel and the physical, genetic descendants of Abraham, along with America. Uh, Both America and Israel are the two nations in human history who have, however imperfectly, attempted to follow God, pray pray to God, follow God's words, obey God's words, and as a consequence of these two nations endeavoring, however imperfectly, to follow God and to obey God, God has supernaturally blessed those two nations, America and Israel, in phenomenal ways. So, for example, America is where the American dream is. America has been prospered more than any other nation in the history of the world. And Israel has been prospered more than any other nation in the history of the world dramatic victories militarily, dramatic victories in overcoming with food and agriculture and uh, the winning of impossible wars and opening up the Red Sea and America being used in so many vital ways. And notice also that at the heartbeat of like America and Israel, notice that when you examine, let's say, the DNA of these nations, you see that the DNA of America and Israel is very similar and that the DNA of America and Israel is the DNA of divine love, is the DNA of God is love, God is righteous, God is just, God is true. You see, that's what releases the supernatural power of God into those nations and and from and out of those nations into the world, the supernatural power of God. And so it's imperative to understand that America's greatness, its economic greatness, is not solely due to, let's say, capitalism or whatever. America's greatness is due solely to the fact that the blessing, that the supernatural miraculous blessing of Almighty God has been divinely poured out on America from the beginning, and that the blessing of God is not only upon America, despite its imperfections, but the blessing of God is being poured out on America right now, despite its problems. And so because at the core of the American soul, there's a belief in God, not a belief in self. At the core of the American soul, there's a belief not in Darwinian evolution, although it's there. At the core of the American soul is a belief that God is love and a desire to be loving and gentle and caring and giving and kind. Expressions of love, feeding the poor, clothing the naked. All of this is in the DNA of America, the DNA of Israel. And as a result, it goes right into the law of sowing and reaping. America has sowed its seed and it has become greater than any nation on planet Earth, with the exception of the nation of Israel. So, when we look at what is the reason for America's phenomenal growth and blessing, we see that the reason is, however imperfectly America has attempted to adhere to, to live by the promises of God, the Word of God. The principles of God. And to whatever degree America and Israel attempted to do that, God multiplied many fold, God multiplied the blessings of God on both America and Israel. And as we enter what the Bible calls the last days, there is now an intensification of the release of supernatural blessing, miracles, signs, wonders, provision, victories. In other words, the hand of God Almighty is clearly upon America and the American people, and it is on Israel and the physical descendants of Abraham. Okay, that we need to get that message out, because we are fighting uh, a psyops war, psychological operations. We are fighting an all-out demonic propaganda war, where children and students and adults are being uh, brainwashed into believing That we're just a secular Eastern mystical nation that is post Christian or godless. And all of those mythologies are lies. They're lies. We are a nation chosen by God, and we're a nation that has a divine destiny granted to us by God. All right, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Be sure right now to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And remember uh, to seek God and to cry out to God, and <clears throat> to rely on God in all things. This is the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. Once again, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. So let's revisit the tremendous amount of biblical truth surrounding the nation of Israel. Israel was blessed. America has been blessed. The pilgrims and Puritans studied the Bible diligently. And they did everything they could, the pilgrims and Puritans, to model their society, their lives, their churches, their theology. They were specifically focused and concentrating on uh, the great biblical truths found among the history of the Jewish people and found in, in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. But they had an unusual commitment to the Old Testament, and the Jews. And that gave them, I believe, personally, a robust understanding of the totality of Scripture in every area of life. So, for example, the Pilgrims and Puritans had an amplified understanding of economics, philosophy, science, technology, uh, and, and disciplines that covered every facet and scope of life. Now, At the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve were given the authority by God to rule and reign over planet Earth, to rule and reign in Paradise, the Garden of Eden. And by the way, the reality and the depictions of the existence of uh, planet Earth when it was Paradise and the Garden of Eden when it was Paradise, the the visual depictions, the, 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 the scriptural depictions... The illustrations of just how wondrous and beautiful planet Earth and, and the paradise of the Garden of Eden was, is just, it's mind-blowing. And yet, the devil, the serpent of old, seduced Adam and Eve, and he stole them through lies and deceit and cunning and, and a form of psychological spiritual warfare known in modern terminology as PSYOPs, or psychological operations. Which is another name for psychological warfare. The devil, or the super, or the serpent of old, from the very beginning to the present moment, his his greatest mastery of gifting is in the area of initiating highly effective spiritual warfare, psychological warfare, and to use what is called the wiles of the devil, the schemes, the strategies, the the hypnotic uh, presentations of the devil, uh, all of these things are employed by the devil to destroy mankind. So Adam and Eve were seduced into rejecting the truth of God's Word. They ate of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. That instantaneously zapped, caused the fall of mankind. Mankind fell. Uh, Adam and Eve became mortal, and the death force entered the human race. and Yet God pursued mankind and sent mankind a Savior. The Savior's name was Jesus Christ, who was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the Savior is the Messiah. And so, any man or woman who wants to be rec- uh, rescued from the death force, who wants to receive God's free gift of eternal life, can have it if they put their faith in the Word of God. They pray to God and ask for forgiveness of their sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith, they're cleansed. From their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, and then they uh, invite Christ into their lives to be born again by the Spirit of God, and all of this thing, these things happen because of the Spirit of God, and so the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ brings about uh, salvation, the gift of eternal life. So the the, the moment. A true believer in Jesus Christ dies. At that exact nanosecond, assuming they're born again, they will find themselves absent from their body and present with the Lord, and they will have a brand new perfect, perfect age, perfect everything, and they will have a brand new glorified body, and they will live forever and ever and ever. Now, Adam and Eve lived as long as mortal men lived, which was quite a long time in comparison to to today but they were able to live an extraordinarily long amount of time because they put their faith in salvation. And at that time, we were still under the blessing of having a pure water supply, a pure uh, air supply, a pure food supply, pure minerals, etc., etc. Everywhere mankind went on planet Earth and in the Garden of Eden, the air, the food, the nutrients, the exercise, Everything was life-enhancing and life-enriching at the maximum level, at the maximum level. And it's not like today where everything we eat is basically poisonous or has been poisoned by greedy, multinational, uh, Luciferian elite corporations. Okay, I want to read you this principle here, and I believe it is going to change your life. And the key to understanding it is you have to understand who Israel is in the eyes of God. And Israel is a nation composed of God's chosen people who have a special purpose and assignment. And God promises to anyone that whoever blesses the nation of Israel, they themselves will be supernaturally blessed. So if you bless Israel, you will be blessed. And that's one of the reasons God has continued to to bless America despite all of America's indiscretions. America has been Uh, the final defense, the the, the big brother that that continually defends the nation of Israel. Because most of the world, through anti-Semitism, you ask the question, why do they hate the nation of Israel? They hate the nation of Israel because deep down inside, they're jealous over the covenant that God specifically made with ancient Israel uh, to prosper them and raise them up above all the nations of the earth. The world system and the nations of the world are jealous of the supernatural covenant that God entered into with the nation of Israel. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Be sure to spread this message far and wide. And remember, as much as I ask you to pray for me, my family, those who are partnering with this ministry, those who are part of this ministry in any way, shape, or form, my family, your family. I need you to be an, an ever vigilant prayer warrior for me in this ministry, and I, I cannot stress to you how much I covet and need your prayers, just like the apostle Paul did when he was appealing to the Christian church of his time. He was constantly he was but he was the apostle paul, but he was he recognized how much in need of of prayer warfare he was. Now I don't compare myself in greatness obviously to the apostle Paul. But I do recognize how vital it is that you pray for me and my family and this ministry. So thank you for your diligence to pray. To pray and remember, everything revolves around the land of the law, of sowing and reaping. When you take time out of your schedule to pray for me and my family and those associated with this ministry, God rewards you because the prayers that you pray for me uh, become a form of spiritual seed, and God supernaturally blesses your life in, in the law of reciprocity, and that works in the areas of financing and giving and loving and everything else. When you give, when I always say, and this is why I say it the way I do, in confidence, when, when I challenge you and exhort you to ask the Lord how much you should give financially or uh, how, how much of a donation you should give to Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church, and I simply ask you to do whatever God tells you to do. Whatever God puts on your heart, simply obey the Lord. The reason I say that, and the reason I am able to let go of it, is because I truly trust that when I make that appeal, I know that I know that I know that the audience of the Paul McGuire Report is in many ways different than many other secular and and Christian uh, audiences. Because there's a closeness among us. There's a bonding together among us that I don't see elsewhere. And in that bonding together and in that closeness, I know that when I make an appeal for prayer, I know that a huge percentage of you, you really take the time and say, Lord, how much should I give financially? And then whatever God tells you to give, you obey Him. I could tell you the miraculous stories that I've heard regarding that. And then being a prayer warrior for us and the ministry. Thank you. I, I know when I make that appeal, many of you go into action as serious, heavy-duty, spiritual prayer warriors. And the same thing when I make a request I, and I say, I need your help in fighting. And I do. I need your help to continue to fight this, this evil. It's a lying rigging system that's waging war against us and any other Christian trying to preach the truth. So I want to thank you. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, uh, for being faithful. And I know that you're sowing seed. And no, you don't buy God's blessing. But when you're obedient and love to God, He exponentially will bless and reward you. Okay, so one of the things we need to understand about the nation of Israel in the New King James Version, Matthew 24 7, it says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Okay, this is just the beginning of the signs of the times that Christ talked about. It's just the beginning. And, 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 and everything is breaking loose across the world like, like never before. And so in Matthew 24, 6, the verse before it, it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wars and rumors wars. This also makes reference to uh, racial wars. And we've had racial wars and racial strife on a planetary level at an unprecedented level. That should not be what's going on in the body of Christ. Matthew 24-7. I wanted to do Matthew 24:5. Uh, for many will come in my name, saying, "I am the Christ," and will deceive many. Now, when 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 you read that, it's not just gurus and occultists and witches and satanists and cult leaders or whatever who are coming in the name of Christ and are deceiving many. This encompasses every individual, male or female. Who has made themselves available for Satan to use, in one form or another, as a powerful false teacher, a false prophet, false Christ? So it, that it doesn't limit it to like gurus and you know the, the head of Scientology and, and stuff like that. It doesn't limit it to that. It encompasses every area where because of a political ideology, because of an economic ideology, because of a technological ideology, because of science, transhumanism, artificial intelligence, and all these other things, all of these things, both human and non-human, or in combination of human and non-human, have the propensity to to platform or project into our physical reality world these, these massive technologies, genetics, DNA, artificial intelligence, and all kinds of things that can make so-called ordinary men false Christs uh, who deceive many. And so we live in that, in that time period, the signs of the times. Now, um, then in Matthew 24, 4, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. So spiritual deception is on the top of Christ's list about the danger in the last days of being deceived. And that can happen among Christians. Let me give you an example of a non-traditional but perfectly sound doctrinal interpretation of the religion of transhumanism and the prophets of transhumanism. When you mix all of that together, you're coming up with a false teacher, a false religion, a false Christ. The idea that man can make himself into God through technology and science is in its totality a false gospel, a false Christ misleading millions of people. Because what it does, like any religion does, transhumanism is offering unsaved men and women the, the false promise of a false eternal life. And what, what the transhumanists are saying is that if you follow the tenets of transhumanism and you, you employ the science of genetic modification and, and the technology of DNA modification, if you do those things, you will uh, use science and technology to transform yourself into a God-man or a God-woman. So transhumanism is simply the religion which believes and teaches that man is God, and that man will become God through scientific, computerized, technological innovations. And that's probably the, the trickiest area of spiritual deception there is. Now, I want to read you some of this, and this is important to grasp also. Uh, And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another, that it shall not be thrown down. Matthew 24, 2. Okay, so we're going to look at, these are the signs of the times that Christ has been talking about and talks about now. The signs of the times are accelerating all around us. And they the signs of the times is exactly what it means. It is a sign. It is a prophetic sign of the time period that we're in, which is we are actually in the time period known as the last days. So that's a sign of the times. And we have wars and rumors of wars. So you see the Ukraine, you see Russia, you see the European Union, you see communist China, you see Venezuela, you see the United States, you see the European Union. These people all have robot, cyborg, android armies, satellite armies sophisticated technologies. I mean, it's a very dangerous world we live in. So we, we see this. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. That's happening now, like never before. We're on the precipice of World War III, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Famines and earthquakes, mass starvation and earthquakes. Now remember when I told you that the Lord continually, supernaturally leads me and anoints me and guides me in my walk with Him, in my, in my research for Him so that I can write books that bring people to Christ and write books that expose spiritual deception. Um, the reason I'm able to do that is that uh, the Lord has continually, supernaturally intervened or revealed things to me about things that were happening all around me or were about to happen or that have happened in the past, or he gives me supernatural understanding. Okay, one of my earlier books was entitled From Earthquakes to Global Unity, The End Times Have Begun. And the, the essential message of this book, I wrote this book because my house literally almost collapsed during the Northridge earthquake. My house was under the two, one of the two dual epicenters of this extremely powerful earthquake, where our house almost collapsed, and it, the, the sound was so ear-splitting that i it sounded like literally a a, a train, a, a giant train, had smashed through, you know, our downstairs, and and then continued going at top speed. And, and, and the roar of the train and the smashing and shaking of the house, it, it, it felt exactly like a locomotive train had smashed into the side of our house and kept moving. And then what I didn't expect was that there was, when the earthquake went off, there was a totally deafening, shrieking roar. I never expected this, but the roar was so loud, it sounded like the massive, tectonic plates under the surface of the earth were, were like so massive and so scraping together that when they scraped together, it it, it blended into an ear-splitting roar, which was deafening. And this was all going on, and it turned out to be the Northridge earthquake. Because of my neighbor's questions to me, they knew I was a writer and were a writer of books on Bible prophecy, my house was surrounded with people who continually asked me, Paul, are these the signs of the times that Jesus Christ talked about? These were my Jewish neighbors, unsaved neighbors, atheist neighbors, humanist neighbors. They all wanted to know the answer to the question. And so I wrote the book, From Earthquakes to Global Unity, which talked about, the, among other things, the rise of earthquakes in the last days. And so this book, again, we have this major, pivotal, massive, superquake. You've probably seen it in the news where the, you see those highways in California, and, and, and they're, they're very high aerial highways, and they're snapped in two or three different parts. Sometimes you see a car stuck up on one of the freeway overpasses, and, and literally the freeway is broken up by massive chunks. Well, that's a famous picture. You've probably seen it. That is not too far from where I am now in the radio studio, just, just in terms of perspective. Okay, so, we see, uh, in this book I deal with all kinds of things on Bible prophecy, and especially I get into the earthquake, the the increase of earthquakes in the last days. So the book is called From Earthquakes to Global Unity, which became a bestseller after uh, an evangelist named Jack Van Impe read the book. He was set on fire by the book. And he bought some massive amount of copies of my book, From Earthquake to Global Unity. He ran a major promotional campaign for it on his TV show and through a special newsletter and pictures that he sent out. And and his partners from all over the world, like, you know, were buying the book, From Earthquakes to Global Unity. They were buying it like crazy. And so I thank God for that. But again, that massive earthquake. God used that to get my attention, to focus in more from then on, on things like Bible prophecy and the signs of the times, even though I'd already begun that. I mean, I'd already begun to write on that. You know, my very first books were on the New Age and the signs of the times, etc. So, I want to read to you this here, Um, and it's in my book, Are You Ready? By the way, in the book, Are You Ready?, I talk about the North American Union, And people think, oh, well, that never happened. You're completely wrong. Look around you. The reason the borders are wide open right now and have been for for decades is because the North American Union is totally in effect. It's totally operational. You just, they're not admitting to it publicly. The Democrats and the Republicans and the media are lying. They, They simply ignore the subject of the North American Union. So people say, well, what you said didn't come to pass. Yes, it did come to pass. All the problems with the border, all the problems with globalism, all the problems with the uh, North American Union, et cetera, et cetera, come from the North American Union, the South American Union, America, and the new global government. It's all connected. It's Rockefeller and Kissinger and the whole deal. One world, all of which I'm, I wrote about in my book, Are You Ready? Okay, so this is what I want to read you. and. uh it, it applies to what we're talking about. Uh, okay, so uh, I have chapters on terrorism, executive orders, the emergency government. You know, I'm writing about EMP pulse weapon attacks way back, this book copyright date, in 2005. E, you know, I'm warning about EMP attacks. The book could have been written last night. That's how, that's how up to date all of my books are. They're they're decades and decades in advance. Okay, so I want to read you some things I wrote about the nation of Israel uh, that I think you'll find very interesting. And uh, so let's let's just read some of it. Okay, first of all, in my book, Are You Ready? And uh, Power from One Eye and A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume One and Two and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Make sure you get all of the books. The books are all available at a super discount at Okay, Zechariah 12, 2-3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. So in this chapter in my book, Are You Ready?, and in this passage of Scripture, I'm writing about the fact that the Bible says that prophetically, the prophet Zechariah is saying prophetically, God made Jerusalem to be a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding people. So what that means is that Jerusalem and Israel will function prophetically like an intoxicating drink that will get the surrounding nations, the surrounding peoples, especially of the Islamic faith, they will become intoxicated with anger and hatred and rage, and they will want to, in their drunken lust, they will want to destroy Israel. Okay? Now, that's very important to understand. that. So, So it is prophesied that things like Hamas invading Israel would happen. This is part of Bible prophecy, because God said he will make Jerusalem like a cup of of drunkenness to all the surrounding people. Now, let's uh, read a couple of other statements. In in page 10 of my book, Are You Ready? It's called, Wipe Israel Off the Face of the Map. And I write, Conservative Bible scholars are convinced that the road map to peace will ultimately become The roadmap to Armageddon. They are convinced that the current political realities in the Middle East cannot be solved. Whether it is the roadmap to peace or any future proposal, many Jewish and Christian scholars warn that only the coming of the Messiah will bring lasting peace in the Middle East. And then, then I get into the final solution, which is a code word for the total obliteration of Israel and the Jews in Jerusalem by the nation of Islam where the final solution will be millions of Jews will be slaughtered in the streets using weapons of mass destruction. Iran's uh, president uh, has publicly called for Israel to be wiped off the face of the map, choosing to ignore the, the true nature of militant Islamic fundamentalism. The United States, the European Union, Russia, and the United Nations are determined to use political, economic, and military means to bring peace to the region. So then we see the U.S. State Department, I expose this in my book, Are You Ready?, and their secret plan of trying to force an unrealistic, globalist, utopian vision which ignores the current political realities. So, all of this, this book was written in 2005. It could have been written yesterday. These United Nations agencies, the PLO and their agenda, the, the Middle Eastern nations, the Saudi Arabian nations, the, the fact that this is all rooted and grounded in what the Nazis did to uh, the Jews in, in Nazi Germany. Um, and then I talk about this ever-present threat and danger. And so let me read it to you. Page 14 in my book, Are You Ready? A Nuclear Holocaust With the disengagement in Gaza and the West Bank, the current plan is to create a viable Palestinian state within Israel. This new Palestinian state would give the enemies of Israel a strategic military advantage and be the launching point for the new waves of terrorism within Israel, like Hamas did a couple of days ago. Uh, Terrorists can now move freely within Gaza, the West Bank, and newly created Palestinian state. The terrorists would have the logistical opportunity of implementing an Islamic final solution. The terrorists would have free access to move nuclear biological chemical weapons from Palestinian state into the Jewish-occupied areas of Israel. The extermination of the entire population of Israel through weapons of mass destruction concealed in the Palestinian state would now be a realistic possibility, as millions of Palestinian refugees begin to flood into Israel and in the Palestinian state is created. The Israeli military would be overwhelmed in attempting to protect its nation. The PLO would be implemented to foist to a planned or final solution. Uh, the PLO and other Islamic militant groups would seize this opportunity to initiate mass genocide and the slaughtering of millions of Jews. So again, let me read you something from Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet, and their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. This is serious, serious stuff. This is end-of-the-world stuff. This is a warning. And so I get, get even deeper into this in this book and the other books. You need to get them. You need to know what's going to happen. It would be naive event for any of us to falsely assume that the, that the present-day, somewhat tenuous, peaceful conditions, that whatever's left of them will continue in that manner around the world, across America, and with this whole uh, uh, world economic forum thing. That would be naive. What is going to happen is what is happening behind the scenes. And behind the scenes, we have the galvanization of the World Economic Forum, the long-awaited one-world government, one-world religion, one-world economic system, and this uh, global cashless society uh, promoted and engineered by the globalist elite or the Luciferian elite. So all of this is coming true in our lifetime, and we have a choice. We trust God. Moment by moment, day by day, we pray to God, we cry out for God's name and help. We ask God to clothe us with power from on high. And we walk. Here's here's this is where it is. We walk daily, we choose to walk daily in a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Stand with me. Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church. Stand with me, and together we can reach this world for Christ. Together we can change the Direction of the future within the within the sovereignty of God's uh, prophetic plan. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.